Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking all things Oklahoma City Blue basketball. I'm going to be talking about their upcoming game later on today against the Delaware Bluecoats, but I also want to talk about the current stance of the team, the current stance of the league, and some of the moves that have been happening, and as a result, some people to keep tabs on for call-up deals. And like always, guys, I'm going to have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so make sure to stick around for that. But I want to talk about the blue. The Thunder do play tonight. They play a home game against the Denver Nuggets. I'll talk about that tomorrow. But the blue are in the midst of probably their biggest week in the two years I've been covering the team or the two seasons I've been covering the team. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And this season, they had this kind of okay play-in time where in the 12 games, I think they started what, like, two of three, something like that, where they had to kind of bounce back uh, to get into this spot. And now they're in the final against the Delaware Bluecoats, a team that is 13-1 and currently. They are atop the G League mountain, and it's going to take a decent bit uh, to defeat them. So I want to talk about that. I think in the order of things, though, I want to talk about the game last because there is a lot going on in terms of covid around the NBA and this is nothing new I think for the most part all of us kind of know what is going on here Uh, but the cases are just rising like crazy saw a stat earlier uh, today where you know they're showing like seven cases a couple weeks ago now we're looking at almost like 90 to 100 players in health and safety protocols and the spread of this is just so uh, ridiculous in terms of teams teams are getting hit with five six players that are on the health and safety list. The Chicago Bulls had to postpone games just due to all the health and safety, uh, you know, things getting passed around the team, a lot of positive tests. And as a result, the NBA, you know, they've had to try to find some solution. And Adam Silver said yesterday on uh, ESPN that, you know, they were not planning on stopping the show here. They think the best option is just continue. Uh, They can't really have this two-week postponement like many have been suggesting. And as a result, they have opened the door to replacement players and we've seen it in tiny stints a couple seasons ago most of the time it was due to injury I know Admiral Schofield was signed to a hardship um, exception last season but he didn't pass his test so he missed out on it this one is strictly due to the health and safety though and this is from Shams he reported this and this obviously came from the NBA meeting that they had and this is going to last until January 19th Uh, under the regulations right now once there is one health and safety uh, person entered on a roster, you can sign a replacement player, which is going to be a 10-day contract under the hardship exception. It's going to be required once you reach two players. And then if you have three players in health and safety, you're required to sign two guys. Four, you got to sign three. So you get the gist. Pretty much, these teams are being forced to sign replacement players. And honestly, Uh, This is a good evaluation deal for the teams. They get a look at the G League pool. They get to pick up some guys, give them serious run, and then evaluate things. So it's opened a lot of doors for G League players. 
And for a pairing of OKC Blue members, actually, it's turning their dreams into reality. And I want to start out first with some news that I broke yesterday surrounding Blue Guard Rob Edwards. Now, he has not signed a contract with any team. He has not. But there have been talks between multiple teams. There have been interest from multiple teams in the last week, actually, surrounding him and potentially joining on a hardship deal. So lots of inquiries are getting passed around the league. Rob Edwards has been caught up in the mix of that. And it makes sense as to why. 24 years old. I've talked about Rob Edwards. I'm going to talk about him some more uh, actually a little bit later in the pod as well. But this dude is just a microwave scorer. You put the ball in his hands, he produces with a bevy of points. He has a very good step back jumper decent not not just decent or very good mid-range pull up that can get you when you're flat-footed and then also he can drive inside lots of crafty finishes have come his way and then in transition his left wing three is something else so he has the full package in terms of shot creation a lot of these deals come down to uh, just the overall fit though and what's teams need so with Rob Edwards obviously he is one of the top scorers in the league uh, as an on-ball threat for the G League but lots of teams uh, have not been picking up on that as of late I think one of the only on-ball threats I've seen signed have been Mac McClung but two South Bay Lakers players were signed before him and if you include Stanley Johnson it turns out to three so a lot of teams have been looking at veterans when signing prospects and DJ Wilson happens to be one of them. He's the first Oklahoma City blue guy off the board. Understandably so. 25-year-old veteran here. Played five seasons between the Bucks and the Rockets. And he's had a hell of a time in his 13, I guess now 14 games with the Oklahoma City Blue. So last night, he ended up inking a deal with the Raptors for the 10-day. They obviously have some people in health and safety protocols. They need a front court piece. DJ Wilson makes a lot of sense here. Because if you're looking for a contending team, a playoff team, this is what I've talked about with Wilson. And I, I had a, a, an article on the ready uh, that kind of talked about this. Like, you know, for a contending team or a playoff team, DJ Wilson just makes a lot of sense. He's been around the block. He hasn't played a lot of games uh, given the, the span he's been around, right? Like, I think he's only played 143 career games. Uh, but even with that, I mean, he's been in and out of the Bucks system. He knows the plays. He had a pretty impressive campaign with the Houston Rockets last season where he was posting career best numbers, 6.2 points, 3.8 rebounds, shooting 34% from three, just things like that. Like he looked good. And with the Oklahoma City Blue, he's looked even better. I don't think he earned his stripes in the summer league. I don't think he earned them in the preseason. He didn't really look good for the Thunder during that, but he's looked very, very impressive. Kind of picked up the slack from Brown and Yurt7 uh, from last season, and he has the numbers to show for it. And you always got to take Wilson's numbers with a grain of salt. Same goes with everybody on Exhibit 10 contracts within the blue roster. Because they just have so many different starting units. You have Trey Mann, you have Teo, you have guys like Ty Jerome and Poku coming every once in a while, and Vit. It just makes giving everybody minutes very difficult. And as a result, when you look at DJ Wilson's stat line, he was only averaging 25.7 minutes. 
the blue. But even then, he was averaging 13.9 points, 9.7 rebounds, and 3.2 assists per game. Damn near a double-double coming from him. And he looked pretty good in the process when you look even further into the numbers. Dude had a 20-point half earlier in the season. And then two games ago, first round, whenever it looked like they were going to be the underdog, DJ Wilson comes out, has a 19.10 rebound half, looks like a monster to begin that game, and finishes with 31 points and 15 rebounds against the Valley Vipers. So he was the best man on the court there, easily the best player the Blue have had during the Winter Showcase Cup, and that is obviously why he signs that deal. I like him as an interior piece. Now, when you look at Wilson and you kind of look at the landscape of the G League, a six foot ten center with a seven three wingspan is going to be pretty big for a G League center in terms of NBA. Not really. I don't even think that he is the the real like body type. He's more of a four than a five. He's always been a bit of a tweener, but you know he he made that step with the G League, so maybe the Rockets will utilize him like that. But he has a pretty nice touch around the basket. I come, I kind of came to like his post hook a lot, and second chance baskets were a very good strong suit. When you look at his pick and roll game and just screen setting, very talented in that area. Xavier Simpson really had some chemistry going on with his former college teammate there. He always found him right under the rim for some easy baskets just get the two points keep it moving uh, but even in his face-up game too he would set a high ball screen stop at the foul line and hit his shot now the one thing and the one thing that I thought could uh, hinder him from a deal rested at his three-point shot and this was more for a two-way contract than a 10-day I don't think this matters for a 10-day deal uh, but he's still shooting below a quarter uh, of a of a clip from the three-point arc he's shooting 23.7 percent currently and that's not great considering the main reason you know he was a first round pick with the wolverines was due to the fact he had a pretty good shot i mean he was supposed to be a stretch big coming out of the league wall with the bucks and wall with the rockets has he been a stretch big I would say so. I think that was still kind of his main claim to fame, shooting 32.9% overall. But, you know, it wasn't uh, something where you were kind of, you know, praising him for a shot or anything. And he hasn't been like that with the blue. The mid-range, though, I think he's done a very solid job and just inside. And rebounding, I think when you go through the checklist of what the replacement player has to be, you got to be a decent rebounder. And he has been one. He's been a very uh, a very good rebounder. I would probably say, like, even on offensive rebounds, he's still snagging it. Like, is the guy six foot seven? Sure. But even then, I mean, he's still getting up there. And his play has actually been a lot more diverse than I expected. When DJ Wilson started out with the blue, I knew he would be good around the basket, but I didn't know where everything else would fall into place. The first thing was the three. And the three you know what, we're brushing it to the side. The mid-range has been really damn good, um, but the thing that really has kind of stood out to me, he's a very good passer. You saw the pace in the first round game against the uh, the Valley Vipers. 
he would get the rebound and just chuck it to the other side like instantly. They were running five, literally five second offense, not seven second, five, where they were playing fast break every opportunity they had because DJ was putting the ball right where it needed to be. And if it didn't go in DJ's hands, Vit would get it and they'd still start it back on the other end perfect system uh, in that and then even when he takes it past the timeline he can do it himself and he's able to find cutters at the basket you gotta have that skill set so I think DJ will be a good fill-in I don't know if it's a long-term option do I think he could hang around and potentially get like a two-way deal maybe like some veterans have like a Paul Watson Jr. for example I'd say sure. I think that with the new rules where they don't have a game limit, we got to obviously hear about playoffs. He could be a very valuable asset. I think with the Raptors, he's going to get three, four games to really prove his worth. And if he does well, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some more deals kind of filtering in and out uh, between those two parties. I would expect there were multiple suitors whenever people were chasing after DJ just due to the fact he's one of those veterans that seem to be the trend here like Justin Jackson was one of the first guys off the board Lance Stevenson is now on a roster I believe that there have been some other guys like whoever's on the Nuggets affiliate everyone's getting picked out of there even CJ Miles has a deal so people just want NBA ready guys for the most part and DJ is one of those that's why he got signed and I think that's kind of how you get to that conclusion but there are still a lot of talented players on this OKC blue team that should be in the market for a deal and one of those who I just previously mentioned happens to be Rob Edwards like I said multiple franchises in the last week have shown interest they have inquired and as a result, he has been put on a spotlight. And let me tell you, for the most part, he shines under the brightest of lights. Now, when you look at his G League uh, Winter Showcase stats, it's not very pretty currently. He shot 2 of 10 in the first game. And then in yesterday's game, I believe he was only able to garner 4 points. Got 2 points at the line and then had a very nice finish around the basket. But that's not his you know, typical self. I, I wouldn't consider it that. I mean, he is a very lethal scorer in the season for the blue he has averaged 12.2 points 3.1 rebounds and 1.8 assists and then he's shooting around 35 percent from distance now you break down the numbers even more eight of those 14 games for rob he has placed double figures this guy is a heat wave off of the bench and that is what makes him so intriguing as a prospect and when you even broaden the horizons you check his rookie campaign 11 of his 15 games he was in double digits two of those games he broke the 20 point threshold and when he played for the thunder summer league team he was their best scorer he dropped two 23 point games during the time in vegas and everyone even in just everyone on the thunder roster no one could top 23 points. Edwards had the leading single game scoring output, and he did it two separate times. In the closing game against the Spurs, he had 16 or so, I think it was 16 or 18 points in like seven minutes. You just let him ISO and let him work, and he will yield some results. So that's what makes him so intriguing as a prospect. He just places polarizing numbers that you don't 
really find in the G League. But even with that, like he's still been around for the last two years for the Blue. So he hasn't gotten the call up yet. Uh, but the play does reflect a potential call up given that so many are just being thrown out there. This is something that I've typed about. This is something that I've talked about. I think there's two separate kind of teams and two separate game plans that you'll find with some of these call ups. And it might just depend on how many teams have. Like if someone has three or four uh, potential replacement guys, you might go for a split where you get three vets and just one uh, budding potential player. I think Rob Edwards is kind of that type where, you know, you might get three sour games and that's it, but also you might get three games of gold where you just want a lot more and Rob Edwards is going to give that to you. In terms of staying consistent, Rob Edwards is not the guy. So for playoff teams, for contending teams that already have their offensive identity, I really don't see Rob Edwards as the pick. I think that's why you go for someone like DJ, someone like Justin Jackson, just not him. You know what I mean? Uh, But for a team, hell, like the Thunder that are at the bottom of the standings that are open for, uh, you know, scouting and looking at other players, Rob Edwards is going to do the job for you. And the Thunder have the most scouting on him. They've had him for two seasons. He was killing it in the summer league, but they did not want him for one of the two ways. They gave it to another wing in 26-year-old Paul Watson Jr., who, you know, he's kind of been bouncing back and forth, hasn't been playing that well. I don't know um, what the interest stands with those two parties, but he always looked like a good option. Now, it's kind of like an open market where you're just getting phone calls flying in as health reports just continue to pile up. You're going to get more and more players moving up and getting that opportunity. I really hope Rob Edwards does get that because as I mentioned, dude, his play offensively really mirrors that of like a Frank Jackson. I think that's the comparison I give because Frank Jackson has kind of had a similar career path. Now, he actually started at the NBA ranks like he was the 31st pick. A lot of people saw him as a draft steal, but he didn't really work out for the Pelicans in the sense that his numbers fluctuated a lot and they didn't want that. The Thunder had him for last season and uh, in, in the preseason and they ended up not keeping him. It was a partially guaranteed contract, and they chose to take him off, even though he was placing really good numbers. He was a great catch-and-shoot guy, and even created for himself at the baseline, and then he was just swimming with the fishes. Now, Detroit picked him up on a two-way contract last year, and he looked really, really good, so they just kept playing him with the Pistons, and he was churning out similar production, where he dropped 20 points, and then eight points shooting three of 11, just back and forth. They decided they would keep him. He's currently on a contract. Now, when you look at the players similar to Edwards and kind of that archetype where it's a lot of on-ball play, shot creation, get out of my way and just let me work in space. The number one player you always look at is Jordan Clarkson. So you like Jordan Clarkson? I think the base is now Clarkson's a lot faster in terms of creating the space. It's going to be able to do that a little bit more proficiently. But I mean, if you're looking for a budget player like that and you're looking to untap some potential, I think this is the best Jordan Clarkson-esque player you're going to find in the G League, if that makes sense. He just does everything so well. You got to keep in mind, though, just like we've seen in Vegas, you're not going to get 
an A-plus grade on him every single time he steps out on the court. Sometimes he's going to be a non-factor, and you're going to have to pull him out just because he's not producing the way you would like to. But just having a guy off the bench that can give you the 20-point outing on any given night and requires a scouting report, even if it's not going to be a consistent uh, production from him, that's a real asset to have. So he brings that to the table. I think some teams have to start taking notice of him. So how long is he going to stay as a OKC Blue member? Honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like eventually though, someone's got to reach out and extend an offer to the man. That's just pure speculation. That's just me giving my own two cents on the deal, right? Like I have no, no info outside of couple teams have inquired here or there right but you know if I'm in the front office somewhere I do a little bit more than inquiring you know if I have four four contracts to offer and I'm like a lottery tier team hell yeah I want to see what's going to go on with Rob Edwards but you know if you're a contender it's understandable why you would obviously elect to pick one of those veterans but just kind of tap into the numbers again man this is like a 40 percent career three-point shooter shot 44 percent as a rook now he's down to about 35 which is where i project him at the nba level maybe a tick below like 33 percent but he's able to give you a lot of scoring and the left wing transition pull up is just so so fun to watch that's the one thing in the scouting reports that you're gonna find in his career with the okc blue he has shot over or close to 50% uh, from that left wing. The total here is 35 of 59, which, hey, actually does work out to 50.7%. So that is his bread and butter. That's where he lurks around. That's where he made his two preseason shots against the Bucks, and then we didn't see much more of him. Um, but I hope someone does give you kind of give him that uh, second chance and bring him up for a NBA game so that's the second guy in rob edwards and i think the third one uh, is one of those vets maybe not in the same sense as dj wilson but he's been through the system i think he provides a bit more of the consistency that teams might like here so he could come off the board quicker than edwards i don't know it's melvin frazier jr and melvin frazier jr has been on my radar for over a season he's been on my radar since he came out of Tulane as a junior his highlight reel is ridiculous look at it please if you have not already guys a straight ball hawk seven foot two wingspan six foot six frame made everyone look like fools when they were making entry passes or outlet passes he'd get right in between it and then run in transition doesn't have crazy hops but I think he does everything right he hustles and that's what's has given some people uh, some deals in the past here. But yeah, like that's the reason I liked him. I thought that he kind of filled the role that Sam Presti has been dying to get for a while. And is that extinct? I believe in some sense, yes. I don't think Presti's just dying to have the next 3 and D wing. He already tried with Terrence Ferguson. He already tried with Josh Eustace. It didn't work. Um, but you have some homegrown talent here that might sprout some sort of seed at a relatively low cost. I think compared to Paul Watson Jr., I'd rather have Melvin myself, but this is more for the 10-day deals, so I'll just stick uh, to that here. But yeah, like he's been grinding. 
He has been a G League star for a while now. He was selected 35th in the 2018 draft by the Magic. Didn't get to play with the Magic, though. Like, only played 23 games in two seasons with them. Instead, he played with Lakeland, and he was dropping 20 pieces all the time. He was the fourth highest in steals, I believe, his first season with them, and then it dropped a bit. But, like, he was a two-way threats and the magic didn't want to sign him to another deal they kept getting role players to fill him in uh, and the thunder they were able to get him off of an exhibit 10 last season he really wasn't that impressive he only averaged about six and a half points i believe 6.8 and that was that and i didn't think he'd be back but he actually returned and he's done a really good job in his bounce back season and i think that's how he gets back on the radar 13 games. This is not including the latest one against the Cruz. He's averaged 10.9 points, three rebounds, and one assist in 20.9 minutes. And he's also had 1.1 steals per game. Now, the beauty of Frazier's game, catch and shoot wise, he's really blossomed. He shot uh, at one point like 56% from three. And that's just not realistic right like that's gonna drop it has dropped in the last few games he's now shooting 41.7 percent from three i think it drops a little bit more i kind of see him as like a mid 30 percent catch and shoot guy if he goes to the nba i'm talking 34 to 36 which is actually pretty damn solid He's a straight corner sitter, which to some might be a turnoff. I think to a lot of executives, though, and a lot of playoff teams, that is a real positive. And he brings a lot of that where you just stick him in the corner, and if the ball goes in his direction, he'll make the correct read. He'll kick it out if he needs to. He'll pop the shot if the shot is there, or he'll try to make a move inside if need be. Uh, but he never really overdoes things. I don't think he's a guy that necessarily gets tunnel vision. Now, is he the best playmaker? I don't think he is. Like, he still has to work in that area. But it's not to the point where he's ball handling so much that it's a major detriment. Like, he, he'll make the pass in open space. And most of the passes you'll find will just be simple passes from the corner to the wing. Just kind of playing the game of hot potato, right? Like, he just continues the passing that's going on. Uh, but, you know, when the ball comes his direction, like I said, he can score. And he can score in multiple different ways. It's not just the catch and shoot with him. On the ball, juicy step backs, no. He doesn't have the tightest handle, nor does he have the fastest, you know, speed with the basketball in his hand. So, most of the times you'll see him scoring on ball, you won't find behind the backs. You won't find between the legs. He kind of just takes it from point A to point B, just bull rush from the right wing to a drive inside. And one of the things I love, he's able to get around other opponents' centers, uh, not with just pure post-riser dunks, right? Like he doesn't go over the top of you. He just sidesteps you. He has a beautiful Euro step in his bag that he always brings in. He had a transition Euro step against the Cruz yesterday, and he actually had an and one Euro step that proved to be uh, one of the game swinging events as well. And that's just a beauty of what he will bring. So he does all the little things, and he's done it for such a long time. He just brings you the prototype 3 and D wing, and he brings you a lot of what these veteran journeymen bring too, where 
like an Avery Bradley or hell Lance Stevenson who I just mentioned had a deal like they're just there for defensive purposes and if need be they'll play the fiddle as a catch and shoot spot up shooter teams are not looking to have the next big thing right now with these contracts I will say for the majority of them that's the pattern I've spotted out Melvin Frazier Jr. is a high floor guy is his ceiling like all-star levels hell no right like he's not gonna be that for you but in his role he can be an all-star he's gonna be a low maintenance utility type player that a lot of teams should have interest in so that's why I have him on the board as a potential prospect and I think he could uh, find some success there he's been able to work out of just this catch and shoot role he's had a 20 point performance this season he's had a 27 point performance as well so while Grant Gibbs kind of hindered him or didn't play him maybe as much as I expected last year he's been able to spread his wings out in his uh, second year with the blue and you've really started to see the benefits on both sides of the basketball and he's just been that trusty glue guy within the starting unit that never really has terrible shooting performances and if there is a terrible shooting effort from him he's able to take it inside with his backdoor cutting ability so I really like Frazier Jr. as a prospect you always whenever I talk about Frazier you got to take it know that I've always kind of had some bias towards him but that's just how I've always scouted him I really like his game and I think it does fit as kind of a second unit guy uh, for a playoff team in the span of 10 days so I think those are the top three now obviously DJ's off the board so now it's down to two if I were to give out two other players I'd probably say Xavier Simpson would be in that mix just because he's a very smart passer and playmaker now the thing is he can't really shoot the three ball that well and if you're looking at playmakers well, a lot, there's still a lot of playmakers out here in the pool. Now, passing-wise and IQ-wise, Simpson's probably at the top of the board, but Carlick Jones for the Texas Legends, I think he probably gets the call up first just because they're kind of in the same mold, except Jones has been scoring a lot more than Simpson has. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him. Same goes with Jalen Horde, just because he did have the two-way contract last year with the Blue. I think those two are a little bit less likely, though. I think they could probably hang around until mid-January, whereas, you know, with Edwards and Frazier Jr., I could see a, a pretty sizable market circulating with those two. That's once again just me just going off of what I like in prospects. Like those two check the boxes. Uh, but yeah, I could see them maybe netting some sort of deals later. But I want to talk about DJ Wilson and the ripple effect in him leaving. Uh, but first, I want to talk about a really special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. 
go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. New score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving right along. I really want to go into the ripple effect caused by DJ Wilson leaving because he was the star. He was really the only Exhibit 10 guy in the starting unit night in and night out. 11 of those 14 games, he was a starter. Before that, you know, they're kind of tinkering with the units to fill in some of the assignees, but they kind of just decided that Wilson deserved to be in that starting group. And Grant Gibbs talked about last month that you know, he didn't even see DJ as a G League caliber player. He expected him to make the move up. Now he gets his opportunity, but now you have to fill out that gash. And it's listed as 25 minutes right now, but you got to keep in mind in a tournament setting, this dude was not playing 25 minutes per game. Like he was a 30 minute guy and he was their kind of safeguard. He was the guy turning out double figures and turning out double doubles. Both of his games, he ended up dropping double doubles. And when you add up the averages, 50 points in total over the last two, 25 rebounds as well. So that's what, 25 and 12 and a half? Ridiculous. And the way he was able to fuel the blue, just the tiny things like the mid range game really helped them because in round one, when there was no three-point shot, the best they could do in terms of shooting was DJ with the face up. And if he couldn't hit that shot, then you literally just cram the paint and they're screwed because no one else was hitting mid-ranges or anything. So they need to be able to kind of patch this and they're doing it kind of on a jiffy here because they're going to turn around and play a game at five against the best team in the G League stat-wise and the Delaware Bluecoats. Now, they also have had to deal with a lot of blows. Like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. They've probably taken worse hits in terms of players. They've already lost Charlie Brown Jr. They lost Miles Powell, who made his debut yesterday. So they're taking a lot of shots. And then Paul Reed isn't 100% going to be on the roster. Paul Reed, MVP of last year, if he's playing... It's going to be a nightmare for the OKC Blue, but just taken at the surface level, like both teams have to come in battle scarred just due to all the Exhibit 10s getting those hardship exception deals. So it's going to be anyone's game. I think it's still a toss up though with, you know, with DJ out, like they're going to come in with a major, major hole. I thought their biggest hole would have been at the point guard spots going into this tournament. It was because you had to play Jarowski. Jarowski's been all right, and Benajay have also been, you know, he's also been good, so, like, it hasn't been as bad. Uh, but now, like, who's going to play the center spot? And obviously, there's the number one option. Olivier Saar should be the starter for tonight's game, and I hope so. I was talking about how I really liked him as a potential prospect for this roster. So, you know, now I get to put my little 
you know, like scouting evaluation in the test. He should get a full run here and we get to see a lot more from him. But there's no like backup center behind him anymore. You have seven foot Olivier Saar, you have Jalen Horde, and then you have Scotty Hobson, maybe as that fill in at the center. But yeah, it will be a makeshift lineup against the blue coats and the one deal when you kind of look at him like hey the blue coats you know they also have to deal with powell and charlie brown being gone but it's like you know they still have their main unit of centers even without paul reed on the roster they have centers the blue have one true center so looks like they're gonna have to utilize this little stretch or this small ball unit i guess mark dagnall has been using uh, Grant Gibbs will have to take some notes, and he'll have to take them very quickly for tonight's game against Delaware. But when you kind of break down the uh, the game that will be upcoming here, I would say, you know, the impact guy would be DJ. He's not here anymore. I'd say that it comes down to Rob now to be that main scorer. He's had two games where he really hasn't popped off. He's going to need a big, big game. Now would be the prime time to do it. If it's not going to be him, I think the most consistent player that has been on this roster has been Xavier. He was the second best player in probably the last two games with obviously DJ uh, being right there with him in terms of statistics. And then you go to guys like Melvin Frazier, who probably will drop about 10 to 12 points. And same with Scotty Hobson, just based on how he's been. Uh, but this is going to be more of a defensive-oriented game if they want to be able to win this contest because they have lost a lot of their power around the cup. Olivier will need to get this double-double. He'll need to be really freaking impressive in order to get this victory. And, you know, that's kind of where this lies at. So paint play is going to be the decisive factor and whether or not they end up advancing, taking this $100,000 pot, and they're going to be faced with a center lineup that includes uh, not Paul Reed, probably, but if it's not going to be Paul Reed, Braxton Key just came off of a 21-point game. Jaron Cumberland as well looked really freaking good. Their, ro like, their rotation is so cut down now that they only had eight in yesterday's game, so maybe they're exhausted. That's the one, I guess, key thing that you can look at. That's that's a pun there with Braxton Key, right? But yeah, they got to hold them down. I mean, they just have a lot of high output scorers and they've got a lot of them taken away. So the hope is they just had a really nice fad for yesterday's game and they won't be able to get it together because the blue just have one little hit away. Um, but even with that, got to hold down the painted area to collect the W. So make sure to check out my recap on the game. I probably will be covering it tomorrow because it's a very significant game for the franchise and it's a very significant game for the players. Make a really good last in impression. They're going to be the only team playing in Vegas, so means a lot of agents and executives should be there for the contest as well. So that's obviously going to help them. And I will get you up to date if any more deals occur. Also, we'll get you guys back with the Thunder results in the next episode. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.